0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia.
1: Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. Today we're going to talk about one of the things I think is most important for restaurants to Pay attention to, and that's data and their own data. And with me is uh, Wisely co-founder and CEO Mike Vichick. So welcome, Mike. First, before we get into talking about data and personalization, what is your background in hospitality that led you to where you are now?
0: Yeah, thanks, Barbara. Great to be with you. I grew up as a server in restaurants. I did that throughout high school and college, and. I saw with my own eyes just how important it was to deliver a great guest experience. And I just, I learned very quickly, uh, partly because it was trained, uh, but partly because it was just intuitive that, you know, if you deliver a great guest experience, you get tipped more, (laughs) you know, if you, if you just take the time to learn people's names and uh, what they like to remember what they like to drink and remember what their spouse's names are and what their hobbies are, uh, and you, sh- you share a little bit about yourself, you ended up building a better authentic relationship with the guest. And I saw with my own eyes uh, on a number of different instances that I would just get tipped more if I took the time to do that. And I started noticing that those guests came in more frequently. And of course, the, fr- the frequency made the managers of the restaurant happy. Uh, you know, my taking the time to care made the guest happy, and both of those things made me happier because the, you know, each, each uh guest would, would tip me more. And eventually the manager started giving me the better sections on the better night. So it was just this intuitive, uh, realization that all you had to do was care and everyone was happier. So that was my first foray into hospitality and, uh, never thought that would be a consequential insight on life, but it turns out that it is after college, I was at Accenture in the corporate strategy practice for about five years, a little more than that. And my work was around customer profitability, customer acquisition, customer retention, uh, customer lifetime value. And I did, I did a lot of analytical work for Fortune 100 brands like, you know, American Express or Microsoft or Cisco, the tech company. And this was, you know, the late 2000s and it was, those brands at that time had started to get increasingly f- sophisticated with how they interacted with their customers b- and bringing to bear as you pointed out all the data that they have uh, on each on each customer to better the experience through every touch point whether that was you know in a in a retail store uh, in some cases or whether that was online personalizing everything so you know wisely now, that's you know, and we'll get into it more. But our whole mission in life is to help restaurants, restaurant brands deliver a better experience and uh, ultimately improve the lifetime value of their customers.
1: So, how did you get to the point of founding wisely, and what exactly does wisely do?
0: Yeah, um, well, I, I just knew, uh, first of all, how did we get to the point of, of starting wisely? My co founder Tyler and I we worked together at Accenture and. Neither of us saw, uh, you know, saw happiness as like a, you know, looking back on life when we were 90 and just kind of thinking that we were going to be consultants our whole career. We wanted to build something, um, so that started the wheels in motion. It didn't. We didn't know at the time what we wanted to do, but over the years we basically kind of evolved into this uh, thing. We we saw a need where there were increasingly technology companies that were building relationships directly between the technology company and the restaurant and it was increasingly difficult for the restaurants to actually develop a first party direct relationship with the customer or the guest uh, on their own and you know it looked like all at the time and I think still today in many ways uh, a lot of the tech companies were collecting the data for themselves and and there wasn't a you know a system that allowed the restaurants to do the same so in 2016, our first uh, real customer was Bartaco, and it started out as they needed their waitlist system to help folks running the door recognize who the regulars were. It was that simple. And you know everything was around the idea of like technology. Ha- the, the reason why we started working with them was they knew that tech had gotten to the point where it was possible for a new host who was hired recently to be able to plug into the institutional memory of the restaurant brand and know that Barbara has been here before. She's a regular. She comes in every Friday night and you know, her favorite drink is an Arnold Palmer or whatever it might be. And that, that goal uh, was the initial kind of catalyst for why wisely got started. And initially we began as a waitlist, and then over the years it's evolved uh, into a much broader, uh, you know, customer intelligence platform that's not just for full service, also is for limited service as well.
1: So, what's the significance of the name Wisely? And as you just brought up, what what do you mean by a customer intelligence platform for restaurants?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, the the name Wisely. It's you know, those are those two questions are are very much related. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think. You know, if you're a if you're a mid-sized restaurant brand or or bigger, you know, and I say mid-sized, I mean like even ten restaurants. Um, you have to start making decisions. Uh, you know, there's a CFO a lot of times. There's folks that aren't working in the restaurants that that are now responsible for a lot of decisions across a lot of departments: marketing, ops, culinary, uh, training, and and staffing, um, real estate, right. And those decisions, I think, are better informed when the customer is at the center of all those decisions. Uh, and you can make, frankly, wiser decisions if you know knowing the, the consequences of those decisions uh, and how they play out with the customer. So I'll give you a couple of specific examples. Um, from a operations perspective, we talked about just the simple knowing that Barbara is in the restaurant and that she's been a guest for a number of years. So if you're a new manager. You can go over and introduce yourself. Like that's a very simple operations uh, improvement. From a marketing point of view, you know we might know that uh, people who order item like a, a you know a particular item on the menu, uh, like a pork belly taco, for instance, people who order the pork belly taco also love the duck taco, and Barbara hasn't tried the duck taco yet. So if we have an email campaign that goes out to Barbara, you could have an image of both of those in it right so it's it's communicating with each individual as if it was a friend that knew you rather than just like a mass blast which is a lot of what the industry has looked like you know you would, and it was not uncommon uh in recent years and even today for instance you know vegetarians to receive an email that has a meat lovers pizza in it you know and that is a pretty clear uh, statement that that the brand doesn't know the customer, and it's uh, I think it can be more personal. Retail's done that, e-commerce has done that. Increasingly, restaurants are doing it. So that's an example: personalizing email campaigns based on someone's individual behavior. That's a marketing example. But there's also culinary ones. Some of our clients, like California Fish Grill, use the data around. You know, we're able to tell them like when when people order this menu item, what percent of the time do they come back? Right. So when they're making menu engineering decisions, it's no longer just based on PMIX, right? It's also to what extent are these menu items causing people to come back or not. So that informs their decisions. From a real estate perspective, we have clients uh, that we pass lifetime value. First of all, we'll create a customer list. And we do this for all of our clients, a customer list of every individual guest and what the lifetime value is of each of those guests. And what we've seen is that oftentimes, in almost every restaurant we've seen, the top 5% of customers will drive 27% of sales, right? Top 5% of customers drive 27% of sales. The top 20% will drive roughly 60% of sales. So when you're thinking about, you know, you're know, you a restaurant brand that's trying to go from 20 units to 100 units over the next, you call it five or so years or seven years, um, You know, a lot of a lot of money is riding on where you actually put those locations, and knowing where your best customers live, work, and play is essential. Wisely helps uh, solve that for those brands that are growing. And you know, I think you know, there's other stuff up and down uh, the organization as well. For instance, with respect to training and labor, uh, we now know that certain servers drive a repeat rate that is higher than others. So. If, if 75% of the time when someone has Barbara as their server, people come back, but only 40% of the time when they have Mike, they come back, let's take that into account when we're deciding how much each person gets paid, perhaps, and certainly you know who gets what sections on which nights, right? So it's um, I think all of those things, again, if wisely successful in three years, maybe it'll take five. I'm always optimistic about how long things take. Um, but if wisely successful at the end of the day, decisions will be made based on what is in the guest's ultimate interest as measured by their lifetime value. So how recently and how frequently are people coming?
1: So one of the things you just mentioned, um, you know, hits on a key issue that restaurants are dealing with right now, which is staffing. Yeah. Um, so in what ways can wisely help them make better staffing decisions?
0: Yeah. Um. So... Think of it this way, like wisely, we don't aspire to compete with someone like Hot Schedules or Seven Shifts or Harry. We are partners of those companies. Um, and we can send data into them that helps managers make better decisions. And one example of that is simply what is the repeat frequency rate? How often do cut, do guests come back after they've had this particular server or barista or cashier? Um, And it's interesting. If you look at brands like Starbucks, like Starbucks knows, they call it labor investment for a reason in all their, their quarterly filings. They know that the barista that you interact with has a very strong relationship with the lifetime value of the customer. So if Barbara walks in and I say, hey, Barbara, great to see you. Would you like the usual? That simple gesture that I know who you are, I know your name and I know what you drink, that makes people come back in more often. So... Wisely can measure that. We can measure how well each staff member is is driving repeat frequency, and then we can share that information with the scheduling systems that they're using. So now they're able to design their shifts, uh, you know, so that they put the best folks in the best sections on the best nights, for instance.
1: So you mentioned Bar Taco at California Fish Grill, but who are some of your other clients and what do you do for them?
0: Yeah. So, if you on our website, uh, getwisely.com, we list a bunch of those. We actually have a lot of different case studies, but some that are shown there are, for instance, First Watch. Uh, First Watch uses us as their waitlist system, also as their CRM and marketing automation system. And uh, the cool thing there is that they've, over the last a little more than 12 months, we've been working together. They've collected—I can't say exactly how much—but they've collected a lot of, of information about who their customers were. That is basically all brand new to their platform, and they're using it in some really, really cool ways to drive frequency and retention. Um, others from our website—you know—we have, for instance, Ford's Garage. Uh, they use us as their waitlist and reservation system. We have Lazy Dog. They use us uh, for waitlist and reservations, and marketing automation, but also sentiment, so collecting feedback on customers. Um, you know, and, and in, the, in the limited service realm, one of our biggest customers there is Global Franchise Group, or GFG, and they use us uh, as their, essentially their customer data platform. We'll talk more about it in a moment, but uh, we are the, think of it as, for lack of a better way, uh, the router of all their customer data. Um, and making sure that their customer data is getting to all the other systems. We'll, we'll cover that more in a moment, but it's, uh, we're, we're right now as of this very day, June 8th, uh, in more than 5,000 locations. And, you know, if you talk to me again in 60 days, uh, I think we'll probably be somewhere around 8,000 locations.
1: So what was your pandemic experience like?
0: Yeah. Whew. Uh, you know, like, like for many in our, in our industry, it was a blur, uh, Honestly, like a really wild experience. I mean, the the days in March where restaurants weren't paying their rents, that caused our cash flow to seize up just like everybody else, uh, which was a harrowing time. Um, You know, we we were fortunate that the market bounced back pretty quickly um, in our case. And we had signed up some of our biggest customers. In uh, in Q two of last year, and, and so one, I already mentioned one of those in First Watch, but we also uh, were fortunate enough to partner with PF Changs during that time, uh, Sonny's Barbecue, Wings, etc. There's a lot of you know brands that that were looking to better leverage technology, and to the the point that I made at the outset, I think everyone no- now knows that they need to have a first party relationship with their customer. The pandemic taught us that if you're forced to shut down your dining room, you want to be able to communicate with people in a relevant way and let them know how they can still buy from you. Um, and while that, while we hope the need won't be as acute, um, where revenue goes from 100% to 0% in like a week, I, I hope I never see that again in my life. Uh, it's still, the 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 thesis still is relevant, right? Wanting to be able to communicate with your customer uh, in, the, in a relevant way. And relevance to us is really just simply based on right time, you know, right person, right message, right time. And that's, uh, that's the key. So I think the pandemic was about being able to take some of these things that were trends before. And those, you know, it's a cliche now, but those were, were pushed forward in a lot of restaurant brands' roadmaps. So the back half of the year was great. We ended up, uh, you know, proud to say company tripled in size in revenue last year. And so far, we're on tra- on pa- on track to do that again this year. So um, things things were scary there for a number of months, but uh, ultimately uh, we were we were uh, able to leverage that opportunity and seize that opportunity.
1: So, how important was data during the pandemic, and would you anticipate that it's going to be even more important? You know, as restaurants um, you know start to recover. Um, you know, as a way for them to be able to compete?
0: I have a lot of thoughts on this topic. I mean, first of all, I'll say something that maybe is a slightly counterintuitive and say that like data in, an, in and of itself is not what actually drives value. Uh, you need it, right? But like mere data, I think a lot of brands are in a position where they say, we've got enough data. We actually don't need any more of it. What we need though is to take action on it. So I think it's the action on the data that it, that is kind of the 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 missing ingredient for a lot of brands, and I definitely think that's going to be a a hot button topic for years to come because there's going to be more and more and more data collected uh, because there's more. For instance, just on the customer side, there's more transactional data that's co- that's captured. So Wisely is is helping brands say goodbye to transactions and hello to customers. We think it's important to be able to see the through line there and and be able to put together, you know, for instance, Barbara's online orders with her dine in experience with what emails and text messages she's interacted with. Right. And and to be able to do that, not just for Barbara, but for every customer and be able to personalize it based on some some logic, you know, like when someone orders online, this item Uh, and they haven't uh, ordered online in 14 days or in 10 days, have a triggered email show up in their inbox if their marketing opted in that has, you know, the item that they ordered next to another item that people also like, you know? And, And that sort of automation is actually very simple. So I think automation and acting on the data is going to be more important than ever. Um, and the cool thing that I think is a really empowering message, actually, is that in years past, that was reserved for people that had engineering teams like the Starbucks of the world or the Domino's of the world, like these best in class brands who've really Chipotle, who've done a fantastic job on their digital experience over the last years. That is now available for you don't have to be a thousand units <laughs> to do that now. Like you could be three units and, and do it maybe not to the same degree, but you'd get, you can get 80% of the way there overnight and you can make up a lot of ground. So I think that's really important. And then you know you also asked, why is it important for brands to own their data? I mean, I think that any brand that doesn't is fundamentally at risk uh, for two reasons. One, on the dine-in side. Uh, it's just a natural force of gravity that people will go to the place, customers, guests will go to the places that offer the best experience. And that might be a barista knowing your name and what you like to drink. It might be a server remembering that you order Ar- Arnold Palmer's, right? In a, in a full service context. But I think that's important is the dine in experience. But also there are a lot of companies that, that are good companies like DoorDash and Uber Eats. They're very sophisticated technically, right? And they know how to do things like recommendation algorithms. And if restaurants don't have, they don't establish a, a direct relationship with the customer, I think it's a, it's a very risky position. I think we've seen it play out in retail where Amazon basics now, you know, has put a lot of pressure on you know, the companies that provided those products in the past. So I think that's a natural uh, natural tendency. And you do see some of these third-party delivery brands now, like there's opening for sous-chef roles and, and that are part of these tech companies. So I do think that day is coming. They're buying, you know, salad robot companies. So I think it's absolutely critical. And, and I agree with the founder of Sweetgreen, Jonathan, when he said that uh, the third-party trend is one of the most existential risks facing the restaurant business. So I think absolutely brands need to be investing in in investing in and owning a first-party relationship with their customers.
1: So I wanted you to elaborate a little bit on something that you said that you just touched on, um, which is that you felt that there's been a shift in the restaurant industry from a transaction mindset to a customer one. Yeah. So can you kind of elaborate on that and, um, and if you think that's a good thing?
0: I think it's a great thing, uh, shifting from transactions to customers. And I want to be clear too, like, It's, it's like the best people in restaurants have done that forever. They've taken the time to know who the guests were and what their preferences were, and they got, they built actual relationships with them. My issue with that though, is that it wasn't institutionalized. It wasn't, you know, part of it, it it was all dependent upon that individual rather than part of an institutional memory that the brand had and it only applied to ops. It, that that information couldn't make it into marketing or culinary or real estate or labor. Those were areas that were, you know, they, they were starved for customer data. So it was a bit of a paradox where like the best in the biz, the people working in the restaurants, they knew the customers, and they could see the through line. But to the rest of the business, it was transactions. And, and I, that's what I'm talking about. When I say transactions, it's like to the whole company, thinking from a customer perspective and being able to put every interaction from a single person on a on a timeline, uh, that to me is what I think. That's like the underlying data that you need. So I think that it's a good thing because all the other decisions in a restaurant can improve. Like for example, for a long, long time, and even today, boards and CEOs are focused on same store sales. CEOs get fired for not driving same store sales. And that's still the case today. And the, tr- the trouble that I have though, is that same store sales is a lagging metric. Uh, you don't know that you've missed until you've already missed. And that's less helpful. If you're if you're a CEO trying to you know, make progress, you wanna try to have a leading indicator or an input metric, right? Uh, as opposed to a lagging output metric. So in that case, I think customer lifetime value is the North Star metric that I would suggest that boards and CEOs focus on. And, and there are four components go into lifetime value for and only for number one acquisition so which customers are you bringing into your doors or bringing into your digital doors uh, second how long are you retaining them actually do you retain them for a month or for five years right and while you have retained them how frequently do they come in right are they coming in once a month they're coming in multiple times a month and then finally each time they come in are, what are they spending from a monetary perspective? So you'll you'll hear things like recency, frequency, spend, right? Those are the, you know, the the components of lifetime value. And if you are a board now with the help of wisely and and a, a very, very small subset of others, like you can know what your customer retention looks like quarter over quarter. You can know what your frequency looks like quarter over quarter. So you can actually look and say, are we making friends Or are we losing friends? Are we putting a lot of people in the top of the funnel from a marketing perspective only to have them drop out after their first visit? And what can we do to change that? You know, and this is actually, I think some of the bigger brands have the luxury of being able to test uh, and measure because they can pick a subset of restaurants and try an operational change and observe what happens because those best customers, the ones that have your highest frequency, if you make a change you will be able to measure what their change in frequency is and if you do that in enough places you can actually statistically say that change that we made whether it was spending more money to do a remodel or the nitrate free bacon or paying our servers a little bit more or doing a specific marketing campaign how much did those changes drive lifetime value and to me that's the fundamental thing if you're a big brand You, you finally have the means to be able to look and measure concretely and make statements that are based on fact rather than just opinion. So for instance, one great one is if you listen to Starbucks's, uh, you know, quarterly earnings calls, they talk a lot about labor investment, right? And that is very much not an opinion. Like they've proven that by investing in their team member, they drive higher lifetime values. Full stop. So. That you can't do unless you if you you can't do it if you have a transactional view. You can only do it if you have a customer view.
1: So, as you mentioned before, there is a lot of data out there, and that's only going to continue. So, besides what you just mentioned, what are some key data points that restaurateurs should pay attention to? Um,
0: As it relates to you know the guest or the customers, I, I think lifetime value is is kind of the the north star. Like for us as a company, that's the metric that we design everything around, right? Our, our whole mission in life is to help our clients who are restaurant brands exclusively drive the lifetime value of their customers. Wisely does not have a consumer brand at all. So our whole mission is to help restaurant brands drive lifetime value. And I would suggest, uh, you know, it, it, great leadership and great management often is reductionist it's it's uh, reducing the number of things that people have to worry about or focus on. So I actually would say not what other metrics should they be looking at, but like, let's absolutely make sure that recency, frequency, and spend are the central decisions that go into, those are the central metrics that go into any decision a restaurant's making, being able to track back to recency, frequency, spend. And I would beat that drum all day long.
1: So um, technology was obviously a savior during the pandemic. Do you see restaurants continuing to turn to technology for solutions as they recover?
0: I do. But, you know, I'm also cognizant that like, you know, the the old saying, if you ask the barber if you need a haircut, they often say yes. So, you know, the fact that a a tech CEO says tech is going to be a thing, uh, you know, take it for a grain of salt to those operators (laughs) listening. But I... I'll I'll try to give a little more granularity of of what are some of the things that I see being trends over the medium term. Um, I think that first of all, you know, this whole transactions and customers thing. I think an increasing percentage of transactions will be digitized, right? And you know, you see it recently. I think Olo shared that they were you know, they, they, there was an article that they put out uh, called Table Service 2.0, I think was the name of it. And it was talking about how uh, some of the same online ordering fundamental technology can be used to, to digitize more transactions in the restaurant. What do we mean by digitizing more transactions in the restaurant? I think, I, you know, it's for me, at least having a, a, you know, a blob of of data, like code that says, here's, you know, there was an order submitted. It was Mike, it was at this location, it was at this time, he bought these items, each of those items cost this much, Uh, he tipped this much, and here's his email, here's his phone number for that order. That's like a little blob of data. Previously, that might just sit in a point of sale and never be tied out to a customer record. It might just sit there in a point of sale and like honestly not be used that much. Uh, Or even worse, that, that was if it was a card transaction. If it's a... Cash transaction—it's like you know, uh, just literally just a number. So I think increasingly transactions are going to be digitized. Both, I mean, that happened through the pandemic and online ordering. That that pretty much is done. Although there are still a lot of call-in orders which are being more digitized, uh, and then you got the dine-in portion where now you have a bunch of pay-at-the-table solutions that are digitizing those transactions. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about everyone from B bot to One dine to Up and Go to Go tab uh, to card free. There's a lot of folks out there in that game, uh, and it's good. Like Wisely's, uh, we're not we're currently not doing, and I don't think we have any plans to do. Uh, I should say I don't think I know we don't have plans to do pay at the table ourselves. Our whole thing is we'd rather integrate and be great partners to integrate with whoever the the restaurant brand deems to be the, their ideal pay at the table based on their their unique needs. So we'll just plug into all of them, right? So I think uh, digitizing transactions is going to be a theme for a while. And then I think there is the the stuff that comes off the heels of that, which is all around customers uh, and how do we better serve customers. That's, that's from like a top line, you know, how technology can help you drive the top line. I do think that, um, you know, from a bottom line perspective, helping drive efficiency, there's a lot of opportunities there. I think... Uh, and you can pull analogies from other industries, but tech tech plus humans has has increased uh, you know productivity for years. Uh, and, and honestly in ways that are hard to observe in the productivity data. Uh, but I think you know whether it's a fraud detection product or anything else that's been proven in other industries, if you combine humans and technology, that's how you get the best answers. so that that mix of what software can do, and of what machines can do, I think will continue to get pushed over the course of the next few years, um, and I think that's exciting generally because it's going to it's going to open the doors for a lot more creative work to be done and for actual investments to go into other areas of the business, um, which is exciting. So I think you know, top driving tra- top line and then efficiency throughout the back of house is is uh, you know where we're going to be talking about a lot. We're going to be talking about that for years to come.
1: So Wisely just introduced a new consumer data platform. So tell me about it and how it's designed to help restaurants.
0: Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's, it's, you know, the, the main thing for me is a, there, there are consumer data platforms. There are many, uh, and most of them actually wisely is the only that is completely 100% focused on restaurants. And you'll see others that are more for e-commerce, the whole point of a, of a CDP or a, a consumer data platform or a customer data platform, whichever term you want to use, um, the whole point is to make sure that every decision is made based on what the customers are doing. So that might be in a marketing context, sending an email that's personalized or all the other ones that we just talked about. But you can think of it as you know Grand Central Station in Manhattan. Trains are coming into that station all day long. Folks are getting off one train getting onto another one, and then getting onto their destination, right? And it's a, essentially just giant router for people. And that's the same idea as a CDP. The CDP is Grand Central Station. Customer data is coming into it on one set of tracks from one system, and it's getting onto another set of tracks going out on another system. Same exact idea as Grand Central Station. Um And it used to be like, why why a CDP? Why does it matter? Uh well, the alternative to that is that you have to run tracks from every station to every station, right? And um, you have to write an integration from, you know, for instance, your loyalty program to your online ordering platform. Well, what if you wanted to switch online ordering platforms or switch loyalty platforms? You got to make sure that you write a new integration from that one to the old one. Whereas now you just you write it to the CDP and all the data is getting sent everywhere and it gives you... I think, a lot more freedom as a brand because now uh, you have the flexibility to test and try new software without having to do a lot of the integration work up front. So it's just the the flexibility that it affords brands is really powerful, uh, number one. But then number two, in terms of the ease of personalization, it goes up a, a matter of tenfold because unlike a lot of other CDPs, Wisely is tied into payment processors in restaurants restaurant point of sale, restaurant Wi-Fi, restaurant loyalty programs, a reservations and waitlist system, all of these things that are like specific tools for the restaurant industry, that's what Wisely has focused its time on on integrating. And I would argue that, you know, a CDP is only as good as the data that you put into it. So you need to have something that's, that's like built, purpose built for restaurants.
1: So you've also added some new key hires um, this year. So uh, talk a little bit about that and how do you see the company growing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we've, I mean, both in revenue and headcount, we've already doubled so far this year. Um, so it's, it's super exciting and to see where we're heading. Uh, a lot of our investment continues to be on the product and engineering side. Uh, I've, you know, I am continually surprised and not surprised at how small this industry actually is in terms of the people. Um, uh, you know, word gets around quickly about who does a great job and who doesn't. And so for us, we always want to be known as the people that are advancing their product and making a lot of forward progress and getting better continuously. And that means invest continually investing in the product. So we've, we've hired a lot of new folks there on the engineering and, and product side at Wisely, um, to continue to double down on the value that we bring to clients. Um, And then I think also, you know, we've also, I think, improved how we how we talk about the product like we I think we're getting away from uh, kind of like what I'll call feature dumping on people. And like, here's a laundry list of the 10,000 features that we do and instead being able to tell the story of why it matters, actually, like it it all matters because we're, we're shifting from transactions to customers and being able to talk about what technology can unlock along that path. Um, You know, we've hired some folks on our on our marketing team to help us tell that story and frankly, to build stronger partnerships with other uh, platforms like our our goal is to tie into every other customer facing product out there so that brands can actually choose uh, which which tools they want to use based on what is in their interest. And that, um, you know, that requires both engineering work, but it also requires partnerships work. And we've invested a lot in that as well.
1: So, you know, we talked a little bit about your company future, but what do you see for the future of restaurants in both the short term and the long term?
0: I I think it's, uh, it's an exciting time for restaurants coming on the back of a harrowing time (laughs) for restaurants. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that the folks that, that were able to, you know, get through this, this challenging last year, uh, and come out the other side, they're busier than than in many cases they're as or busier, busier than they were in 2019. Um, I, I do think that we're going to see, you know, a, a resurgence of independent restaurants in the months and years ahead. But I am optimistic. Also, I I you know maybe I have a soft spot for our beloved industry, but a lot of people have been cooped up in their houses for like a year and they haven't seen friends and they're just starting to see grandparents and all this stuff. And restaurants are such a beautiful way to connect with the people that you love and that you wanna spend time with. So I actually think that the restaurant industry has an incredible opportunity as our country comes back uh, beyond COVID to help us feel normal again and to help us connect with, with people that we would love to have seen more of in the last year. And like, that is truly a once in a lifetime opportunity, which is in, insanely ex- inspiring. Like, I think everyone that's working in restaurants is really, uh, you know, they're doing important work. Um, you know, you've seen anxiety and, and depression go up in the last year, and people just love to interact in person with other people. And uh, restaurants are one of the the lifeblood ways that that we do that as a country. So I think, you know, and that kind of dovetails into how I think Wisely can help. I mean, I think we can help the restaurant brands deliver as good of an experience as they possibly can, not just in the dining room, certainly there, but also throughout, you know, even online and digitally. So I think it's a it's an important time for the industry. I'm I'm really optimistic that the next few years will be a great time for restaurants. Um, and I think restaurants have a really important role to play.
1: So, But what is are some of the challenges that you see for them?
0: Um, I mean, there's there's the, the obvious ones that you hear about every day, right? Labor chief among them right now. Um, I think that, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about that particular issue. Um, maybe one, so I, I don't want to say anything about that because I think there's a lot of smarter people than me that are more informed on that subject talking about it. The one thing that I would add to the labor discussion is that the assumption should be that we're going to have some we're going to have a hard time recruiting and we're going to have a hard time retaining staff and how does the brand accept that as a reality and still overcome it to deliver a great customer experience? Um, that I think means that you need you need a structural solution to it. You need to be able to holistically as a brand, regardless of who your host is. You know, if I just started working there tonight. I should be able to know who all the regulars are, right? And and our systems, if you're a limited service brand, when someone orders curbside, they should know. You shouldn't have to have worked there for five years in order to know who the valuable customers, who the regulars are. So I think that's, uh, you know, I haven't heard that talked about as much in the labor conversation. It's uh, usually, you know, what are we going to do with wages and how do we, what, you know, what bon- sign-on bonus should we hire? And those are all super important, valuable conversations. But also assume that we're never going to completely solve that problem. And how do we still deliver a great customer experience uh, in spite of it?
1: What do you love about what you do? And what kind of advice would you give to someone who, you know, kind of sees your example and, you know, wants to follow a similar path?
0: There's so much uh, that I love about what I do. I mean, I, I love the industry. Uh, that I serve, I, I, I grew up in it. I, I really think that, as I said, restaurants have a very important role to play uh, post-pandemic and always, just in in making people feel valued in their lives and giving people a place to connect with others. So I, I think that is amazing. I love waking up and serving people in this industry, and I love honestly how practical people are. Um, there's a, a compared to other industries that I've worked in. Restaurant people just understand practicality. They're like, that actually won't work. <laughs> you know, that, that fancy technology thing might sound cool, but how are we going to scale it to all of our team members and have it be actually used? And I love that, you know, kind of just getting down to brass tacks, uh, way the industry works. I think it's really unique, uh, compared to other place, other industries that I've worked in. So I love those couple of things, you know, and, and I love, this team that we've assembled. I love the, the culture that we've built. I think one of the things, some of the things that, that we believe as a company is that, is that disagreement and dissent makes us collectively better. Like I, I say this all the time. I am wrong. I have been wrong as often or more often than I am right. And over the course of starting a company and, and I have no interest in being wrong. So I literally don't care whose idea it is. I just want to get the idea right. And it's it's been a pleasure to assemble a group of people who literally don't care about making their boss happy. I, t- I say this in every new hire onboarding, never try to make your boss happy, always try to make the customer happy. And uh, you'll never be faulted if, if what you were doing was trying to serve, uh, even if you got it wrong, Like you, you'll never be faulted if, if what you were trying to do was, was in the customer's interest. Um I love that. I love the critical thinking that goes into, you know, into what we do. I love our approach to building software. I, you know, and I, I'll say it, like we've in the early days of Wisely, like we we had built three different consumer apps from twenty twelve to late twenty sixteen. I think you and I connected maybe on one of those related to loyalty some some years ago. And uh none of them worked. Just full stop. None of them worked. They none of them found product market fit. But when we shifted and we dropped our consumer brand, and we just said to ourselves, "We're we're going to serve our restaurant clients uh, the same way that they serve their guests," that changed everything. And since then, you know, we've been fortunate enough to triple or quadruple or quintuple our sales every year since then. Um, and I I just love uh, the critical thinking that goes into it with our clients. We truly partner with our clients and and help them come up with. Solutions to the problems together. We don't sit in some ivory tower and then push out changes that, you know, quote unquote, restaurants, we think restaurants need. It's very much a partnership. So I, I just, I love all of that. And there's a lot more too.
1: So you, you had some nuggets in there, but what advice would you give to someone, you know, who, who wants to do what you do? I, I
0: would have a few thoughts. I think um, it depends on who, who you're talking to, right? I guess if I was talking to my younger self, Um, I would say, Hey, Mike, start from the assumption that you're wrong, not from the assumption that you are right. And you'll try to be less wrong. And that I think would have served me, uh, a lot in the earlier years. Um, I would say, you know, take your ego out of it. You know, that, that was a, a painful lesson that I learned the first three or four years of wisely. Um, and it was painful to go through, but I'm glad that we did. And what I mean by that is like I said, we came up with three different consumer apps over four and a half years. And I told myself and my wife and my parents and my friends that this new app that I came up with with my team, I don't I don't mean to say make it sound like it was me, uh it was was gonna be the next greatest thing since sliced bread and or canned beer. And we ship we built it, we shipped it, and no one used it. And we did that once. And then we said, oh, well, that was a fluke. We got another idea. Let's build that. And we did it again. Told my myself, my wife, my parents, my friends. And that one failed also. By that time, people are like, eh, this Mike guy might be losing his mind, right? Um, the third time we did it, we failed again. And by then, I was like, okay, you know, kind of like, you keep doing it, Mike, I guess. But like, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. And uh, so that, that taught me vanity does not matter at all. Like you got, and this is maybe why I beat the lifetime value drum so hard, because vanity metrics don't help. Uh, the number of press release, or the number of press uh, publications that pick you up. It's nice, but like it doesn't matter. We got written up in the Wall Street Journal. And I had a color photo in the Wall Street Journal. My mom was proud, but it drove no customers and no, and no revenue ultimately over the long haul. And it, and when we fo- we shifted our focus and we focused on lifetime value of the restaurant diner and we made that what we lived and breathed every day, things just started working. So I, I think you know picking the thing that you're solving for is is a really important thing, um, and that it sometimes just takes time to discover. So I think it's uh it's a journey, right? I, every every startup is a some number of years overnight success. But um, I would say those things helped me become a better, not only a better entrepreneur and a better leader and CEO, but also a better father and a better husband because I, you know, I'm real with, with my wife and with my kids about what issues I faced at work. So I think, um, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, I'm grateful to have been Uh, able to experience that. I know uh, it, it certainly has helped me grow a lot.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much.